This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Welcome to Micro, a podcast for short but powerful writing. I'm your host, Drew Hawkins. This special Mother's Day edition of Micro is dedicated to all of the people who have performed a caregiving role during the pandemic. These three pieces of microfiction employ blood, feathers, fur, and citrus to reveal turmoil and danger lurking just below the surface, or overhead. This first piece brims with urgency in the protection and survival of a feathery family. It won third place in the Summer 2020 Reflex Flash Fiction Competition, and the heightened tension is impressive. It's called Delivery. It was written by Amy Barnes and published by Reflex Fiction on September 28, 2020. Enjoy! Delivery. I build brown cage skirts for mother out of whale ribs and cast off timber. Sister covers them in muslin, hiding our bird siblings, her nested nether children, not quite ready to survive on their own. As mother's belly swells, we add petticoat after petticoat made from our own feathers. Eventually, she can't fly to market or take us to school, instead sleeping upright, bolstered by stiff skirts and growing still egg babies. Will the babies look like us, we ask? Sister points at my rouged belly. I bow my head in shame. We are all hungry, but daytime food searches are dangerous. So, each night, Sister and I fly the nest to dumpster dive food, snatch clothesline fabrics, stray newspapers, Christmas tinsel, and fluffy dandelion cast-offs to cushion the babies and sustain mother. Some nights, she cries in pain as the brood pushes on her back and steals her sleep, but it is for the best. She knows father hovers, restrained by posted notices, but ready to strike and hurt our unborn siblings. As the oldest, I take the night shift while he swoops for food from rooftops and treetops. The days move forward as our tiny toes leave calligraphy snow signatures. When the birthday arrives, we watch as each baby pops out like nesting dolls falling into the soft leaves, straw, and torn fabric we wove together. Mother rocks them all on the bloodied floor, skirt still wet with birth. We hear father squawk screaming and dive bombing our safe sky home. He's hungry. Mother knows he can smell us from 500 feet away, puffing out his sunburned chest as a warning. I gather metal and wires to create a protective iron bar quilt. She drops food in tilted up mouths as father flies overhead looking for the cage's key. Chapter 2 
Amy Barnes is an associate editor for Fractured Lit, with work published in Flashback Fiction, Pop Shot Quarterly, X-Ray, Flash Frog, and elsewhere. She also has a Flash collection called Mother Figures, forthcoming in 2021. You can find her on Twitter at AmyGCB. Breaking Ice and Rabbit Bones adorn a story that follows one moment in time relative to many other moments in time that makes this next piece intricate and beautiful. The ending is equal parts surprising and inevitable. It's called It's Time to Push. It was written by Laurie Sambol Brody and published by Craft Literary on November 20th, 2020. Enjoy. It's time to push, and the next contraction bears down on her. Nora tries to breathe like she was taught during birthing classes, but the pain separates her into jagged pieces. She's only her tight, swollen stomach. The nurse in the Lion King scrub says, Maybe we'll get out of here by midnight. The last mama had only a two-hour labor. What a pretty little piglet she birthed. And then the relief as the invisible vice around her abdomen loosens in the lull between contractions. Her husband wipes her forehead with a washcloth and asks, Shall I turn the music on? Nothing could be worse than her playlist. She picked calming songs, but this is not the time to be calm. Nora doesn't answer, just turns her face away. She cannot tell him. At a not-drunk-enough-work dinner, her co-worker spooned paella into her mouth, al dente rice and unidentified gamey meat. She opened her mouth to him, grease glistening on her lips. He grinned. You like rabbit, don't you? She never had it before. She sucked the meat off the bone, a leg, she thought, and held it out to him. Hold my hand, she said. That night, she came home and unbuttoned her husband's jeans. Rabbit was velveteen, was white, was the rabbit dyed. Another contraction tightens, and the nurse says she's X centimeters dilated, as if that means anything to Nora, although this is child number two. Child number one is tucked into her grandmother's bed, tufts of hair curling from the pink of her ears. When she awakes, she'll have a sibling. All those sleepless nights with child number one, all that shit and vomit and tears, both hers and the baby's, sitting on the couch at 2 a.m. watching Stranger Things. In the car, driving to daycare or to the grocery store, child number one asks, can there be another asteroid like the one that killed the dinosaurs? Can I think with a hat on? Why is snow? Why do the rabbits in the yard run from me? Why, why, why? Nora answers, yes, yes, when the rain freezes, they're scared. A zombie mom, arms falling off. Now her husband asks, what should I do? His tone the same as when he can't find a piece of his latest puzzle, an image of Albrecht Durer's young hair. And she's so hungry, but can't have anything but ice. She doesn't ask him to slip chips into her mouth. Once during a grad school research trip, 
Nora sat in a canoe with a man she coveted and watched a blue-veined iceberg calve into an ice-blue bay. The wave took them both by surprise. For a week, she bore a purple and green bruise in the shape of a rabbit's head, earned when he pulled her out of the bay and wrapped her in his down coat. She still hasn't stopped shivering. It's almost time, the nurse says. Nora can't feel her feet. Her OBGYN has perfect eyeliner above her mask. You're doing great, the OBGYN says, but she isn't. Now is the time to push, the OBGYN says. Now is the time to fall back, to scream, to feel the pain like a wave pulling deep, to tell her daughter goodnight, to say, yes, 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 dear, to suck on rabbit bones. Is it true that rabbits eat their babies or absorb the fetuses when threatened? She read that in Watership Down as a teen. The nurse says, I see the head. Pain consumes her. Just one more, the OBGYN says, and a baby keens. The nurse presents Nora with a rabbit's head slick with blood, swaddled in a blanket, ears upright. And the OBGYN says, another push. And the torso of a rabbit joins the head on the pink and blue blanket. And then another push. Muscular hind legs. And another push. Two front legs and a tail. And her husband says, you did it, you hero. The nurse pulls out a sewing kit. I'll get the baby ready for you. The nurse wipes the blood off the white fur, sews the parts together, gleaming needle pulling surgical thread. The stitching is tight. There will be no scars. The nurse then swaddles the baby in a soft, foamy pink, lays it in Nora's arms. When Nora nuzzles its cheeks, the baby bears sharp teeth. She unwraps the blanket, sucks its paw into her mouth. The fur sticks in her throat. Lori Sample Brody writes from Southern California and has been published in Wigleaf, Smoke Long Quarterly, New Orleans Review, the Best Small Fictions Anthology, and elsewhere. You can find her on Twitter at Lori Sample Brody or on her website at lauriesamblebrody.wordpress.com. Our final piece is structured in the sections of store aisles, with snapshots in time that reveal crisis through lipstick colors, breakfast smells, and bathroom tile. The title pulls so much weight, adding another dimension to the story. It's called Store Aisles I Passed Through Before Leaving Town. It was written by Abby Barker and published by Trampset on March 31st, 2021. Enjoy! Store aisles I passed through before leaving town. Cosmetics. Mom crouched beside the lipsticks, a plum tube pressed against her freckled cheek. She asked what I thought, and I shrugged, because she smelled different. 
like citrus or melon, like a store in the mall we used to pass on our way to supercuts. She never had a smell before. She assumed the odor of the house, cinnamon or seasoned beef or the mildewy dampness rising from the basement. That afternoon, she smelled fruity, almost tropical, like a beach vacation. Mom pushed the plum aside and grabbed another shade, a deep red-brown. This, this is perfect, she said, and I asked, what for? She smiled, all lip, no teeth. I squinted at the gold lettering stuck to the black lacquered lid. Touch of spice. Tile. Dad dragged me to one of those warehouse home improvement stores. A surprise for Mom, he said. Every surface sparkled beneath domed lights. Mosaic, subway, porcelain, small hexagons, bigger rectangles. I ran my finger along the glass tiles, those that were translucent in the color of oceans, those shaped like mermaid scales. Which would Mom like best? Dad asked. Touch of spice, I whispered. Frozen foods. Dad fogged up freezer doors, comparing ingredients on the back of pizza boxes. Clouds of cold leaked into the aisle. Dad only cooked pancakes and eggs, bacon. For weeks, we ate nothing but breakfast, some nights only toast. For weeks, we waited for Mom to return with pale lips so she could soak up the smell of sausage that clung to our kitchen walls and dinner could taste like dinner again. Before she left, Mom told Dad she was drowning. I ate soggy pizza on the floor of the half-tiled bathroom. The marine blue tile curved around the room, then tapered off like a tidal wave breaking, like a storm that came but would not pass. Abby Barker is a fiction writer and creative writing instructor living in New Hampshire with her husband and two kids. You can find her on Twitter at Abby M. Barker. Micro is edited and curated by Dylan Evers and produced and hosted by me, Drew Hawkins. Our theme song is by Matt Ordez. You can find all of the information about this episode's writers, their featured work, and the publications where they were published in the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check out some of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also always find our shows at micropodcast.org, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Micro. Thanks for listening, and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day.